I would start singing happy birthday, but the worship was so beautiful today, I won't, but we need to say happy birthday to the church because if you don't know, today is Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost Sunday represents the birth of God's church. So we're going to be reading about that today. We're going to find ourselves in the book of Acts chapter 2. So if you turn there, the book of Acts chapter 2, I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. And I'll be reading from verses 1 to 13. So if you don't mind, stand with me for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And it reads, when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were Jews staying in Jerusalem, devoted people from every nation under, the, under heaven. When this sound occurred, a crowd came together and, were, and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded and amazed, saying, Look! Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, in Cappadocia, Pontus, in Asia, Phygera, in Pamphylia. Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the magnificent acts of God in our own tongue. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But some sneered and said, they are drunk on new wine. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this story. Understanding, Lord, as Jesus ascended into heaven, he called his apostles to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit, Lord. And the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit showed himself, Lord, in a powerful way. And it was day one of the church, Lord. There is no church outside of the Holy Spirit. There is no Christian outside of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that. And we celebrate that this day as believers, as Christians that are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
as the church that is filled with the Holy Spirit. So we ask that you would have your way, that you would teach us this day, and we would understand what this means, Lord. Be glorified in your house and every one of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the word Pentecost um, is from the Greek, a word meaning 50. This originally referred to the Old Testament festival in honor of the grain harvest in ancient Israel that occurred 50 days after Passover. For us, it marks the birth of the church. It is the church's birthday. This is what Jesus, um, after he suffered in Acts chapter 1, verses, starting at verse 3, says this. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom. While he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or periods that the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell, represents the church's birthday. After this day, everything changed. Pentecost marks marks the day when the responsibility for spreading the message of the gospel was assigned to the disciples. It is the gospel message the church is called to preach. Peter tells the story of Jesus boldly. When Peter tells this story, it is what the church is called to do. Peter laid out all the events that he had witnessed. And as he did that, he was showing a model of what the church is called to do. See, prior to this event, it was God at work in Christ. The incarnation at Bethlehem was God at work in Christ. It was God at work in Christ who accomplished the work of the atonement, the reconciliation on the cross. It was God at work in Christ when he accomplished victory over life, over death, over hell, over the grave. All this work was done for us, but none of this work was done by us. 
Pentecost marks the birthday of the church when we stop being recipients and beneficiaries only. Jesus ascended into heaven. Now this eternity, now the church is called to become workers. The church is called to become witnesses and to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. So when you see that and you think about that picture of what God did from a promise way back in the Old Testament, way back Genesis 3.15, when God said, I'll redeem man to myself. And when the time came, him being there, through the Holy Spirit, a virgin birth, where the king of kings would be born, God coming into his own creation, and then the life that Jesus lived, which was perfect, and then his victory at the cross. Up to that point, the apostles were there, Disciples were following. They were paying attention to what was going on. They were watching the hand of God. And now, at the birth of the church, after Jesus ascends, he says, you, I'm going to use. My power is going to be used through you to accomplish things for the kingdom. Imagine that. Just just think about that and what that means. Who are we as the church? As an entity, who are we as the church? As individual members being part of God's body. How? How? Because Jesus left and he ascended into heaven. They watched him go. And they stood there in John chapter 14, starting at verse 15, Jesus says to them, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because he, it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Jesus gave his apostles an assurance. I'm leaving. There's a scripture that says, it is good for me to leave. There's a scripture that says, if you love me, you would want me to leave and be with my father, but I will not leave you often. I will give you what you need to accomplish the things that I've called you to do. Obviously, we know that Jesus came to accomplish something that we could never accomplish on our own. But he also modeled a life that he called us to live out. And there's no way we could live out that life void of the Holy Spirit. 
as we read. Pentecost reminds us that while the work has been assigned to the church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the work. There's no church without the Holy Spirit. That's why we can say that that time marks day one of the church. God has always had his people. Adam and Eve were his people. Israel were his people. That remnant were his people. But now it was going to be different. God called us to a task to be his witnesses, to be his temple, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to accomplish his work. So the power is not ours. The power comes from God. Each one of us needs to know that because so often one of the things that we do in our minds is say why we can't do something for God. And guess what? Void of the Holy Spirit, you can't. There is nothing that we can accomplish in the flesh that has any eternal value. But filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. And we are not, not only we can, we are commanded to. We are called as the church as individuals in his body to do what he has called us to do. You have gifts within you. And they're just that, gifts. God has given them to you. And we use them all the time for ourselves. We use them in school. We use them in our relationships. We use them in the workplace. We use it to make money. We use it to navigate through the world. But God has given you these gifts for his glory, to build his church, that he is going to build through you. How amazing. So it's not what we have in us so much as the Holy Spirit working through us with the gifts that God has given us. See, because that same gift that he's given us, we've had that in us before we were Holy Ghost filled. And some of us use those things in a really corrupt manner. And the fact that God could take that same thing and turn it holy, that he can enter us, that we would be his temple and be used for his glory in the midst of us still having struggles. Uh, hallelujah. So, so it's not that we got saved and then no struggles internally. No, actually, that's when the struggles were recognized. Because before, when you were doing whatever you were doing, you were happy doing it. But once the Holy Spirit is present, that's when the battle starts. And we have to get past the point that the Holy Spirit is just a check in my system for me. 
No, the Holy Spirit is there for the gifts that God has given you to be on display and to be used for his community of believers and for the world. It says that the Holy, before the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost, the, the disciples could do nothing. Just think about the condition they were in. They, they were scattered at Jesus' crucifixion, like the ladies were hanging out there at the cross. They went back to what they were doing before they met Jesus and find themselves fishing. And even when Jesus came and showed himself over that 40-day period and did miracles among them, They still had no power to accomplish the things that God had called them to do. So that's how we know that the church does not exist outside of the Holy Spirit. Not then and not now. It says, when the day of Pentecost have arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the word says, as others said, look, aren't these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hear them in our own native language. The sound of violent rushing wind filled the house. They saw tongues like flames of fire resting on them. The Galileans speaking in different tongues where all the different people groups heard it in their own native language. That was some first birthday party for the church. But why does God do things like that? He does things like that to verify that this is me. I'm going to do this in such a way that you could never get it twisted that I'm the one doing it. Every single thing that was done there was miraculous and done in such a way where the people were astounded. Peter, who was the one who denied Christ three times, boldly proclaimed the gospel. He was able to get up in front of a crowd, not being afraid for his own life anymore, not being concerned with what was going to happen to him, but because of the Holy Spirit, speak boldly. Not only speak boldly, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is gives us the words to speak at the time we need them. There are so many times when I'm, when I'm there and, and I've studied and I prep and I'm like pulling a blank. But, but I don't have to concern myself with that because it is the Holy Spirit that is going to come because I'm weak. 
I'm frail. What do I have to offer but the Holy Spirit in me? The Holy Spirit in you equips you to do all that God has called you to do. And in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 22, Peter says, fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. So again, when God shows up in a miraculous way, he does that so that we are very aware this is only God. And it goes on to say, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you use lawless people to nail him to the cross and to kill him. This same Peter that denied Jesus three times is now making accusations boldly to the people and say, you nailed him to the cross. Another little nugget in here is to recognize, although wicked men, people, the world, does things to believers, to non-believers, and all kind of things happen in life that are unthinkable. In the end, everything is according to God's determined plan. So even in those situations, he is at work. Even things like this where you look at it and say, no good could come out of this. In God's plan, good is going to come out of it. It says that God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. It wasn't possible for Jesus to be held by death because death is the penalty for sin. And because Jesus was sinless, the grave could not hold him. It goes on to say in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 32, God had raised this Jesus, which, are all, which we are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see in here. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord declares to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, a question that we all had to come to at some point, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus 
for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. We were all so far off. As many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted this message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. On the church's birthday, the gift of the Holy Spirit was given. The Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth. He quickens us. He guides us. He equips us. He distributes a diversity of gifts to us. He empowers us. He testifies of Christ. He teaches us what to say in the hour when we need it. He prays for us when we don't know how to pray. He dwells within us and he walks beside us. Ephesians 1.14 said, The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until redemp- the redemption of the possession to the prize of his glory. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, He has also put his seal on us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a down payment. A down payment. Imagine what's to come. But that down payment is for you to have the confidence that you are walking in Christ. Don't question whether you're a believer or not because you still have struggles. Recognize, because you recognize the struggles that are within you, verifies that you have the Holy Spirit. Because if you did not have the Holy Spirit in you, you'd be going about your way, living in sin like it was just okay. But now, with such a great gift, what are we to do? Now that we have the Holy Spirit, what are we to do? If we look at the church in Acts, chapter 2, starting at verse 22, it gives us a couple of examples of what that means for the church and for the believer. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, And many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. 
They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. So one of the things that we see here about the church is they had a healthy inward posture. Through the Holy Spirit, they experienced joy. They experienced mercy. They experienced compassion and devotion, a picture of unity. Instead of the radical individualism that we see so often even in the church today. Their relationship was God, with God was a direct correlation to their relationship with the church. Hear that again. They were all united. This wasn't an individual thing. And the way they showed that they were believers was directly shown in how they were engaged in the church with other brothers and sisters. Your interaction or lack thereof indicates your relationship with God. When you choose to just come to church, sit down once in a while when you get here, late, take, and walk away and call yourself a Christian, the Christian life is much more than that because these scriptures right here that we read dictates that the Christian life is much more than that. We need to put it in context. I don't want you living at my house. That's not what I'm saying. But when we look at what was being done here, that they were in community, that they met each other's needs, that they prayed together, that they listened to the teachings of the apostles, and valued what the preacher said as long as it lined up with this book. All of those things are an indication of where you are in your Christian life. What is your attitude toward church? Well, you know by your church attendance. You know by your financial giving. You know by your prayer life. Are you praying for brothers and sisters in the church? Are you praying for the church? You know by your time that you are willing to give, not only to the body in terms of, of the church itself, but even other individual believers. Each one of us has to look at those things to think about, do I have a healthy inward posture in how I view the church and how I'm involved in the church because it's directly related to your relationship with God. See, because God did not make us to be outside of relationship with each other. Sanctification is a community project. God has called us and intended for his people to look after one another and to encourage one another. So if you think, I'll just come and take and live my life and God is totally pleased with that, maybe it's time to rethink that. A healthy church, as we saw here, has a correct relationship in their upward posture.
It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. The church is to aid the believer in being at all with God. Seeing his hand at work in your personal life, seeing his hand at work in the life of the church should have you in all. Worshiping together, studying together, praying together, having the presence of the indwelling Holy Spirit should have you in awe with God. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. All of these things is part of experiencing our relationship with God. Worship team, you can come up. A healthy outward posture. It says in verse 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their numbers those that were being saved. The church is called to her mission. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The church is called to a mission, which is go and preach the gospel, which we just saw modeled by Peter. With boldness and with power. So happy birthday to the church. And we thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the life of the church and for the life of the believer. The Holy Spirit our counselor, our comforter, the spirit of truth, the one who quickens, the one who guides, the one who equips, the one who distributes a diversity of gifts, the one who empowers us, the one who testifies of Christ, the one that teaches us what we need to say in the hour that we need it, the one who prays for us when we don't know how to pray. The one that dwells in us and the one that walks with us. The one that was given to us as a seal, as a down payment of the inheritance that is to come. Hallelujah. What do we want to walk away with today? We want to walk away as each one of us part of the body of recognizing the gift of the Holy Spirit. That there is no church outside of the Holy Spirit. There is no Christian outside of the Holy Spirit. And you are equipped with every single thing you need to glorify our God and King, to testify and be a witness to the ends of the earth of what he's done in my life. Amen. 
the greatest gift we could receive. It's a gift we cannot live without. Outside of the Holy Spirit, everything we do is selfish, and it's all going to be burned up, wood, hay, and stubble. None of it matters. But empowered by the Holy Spirit, where God used Jesus, God used his prophets, God used his apostles, and now he's indwelt you with his spirit. It says, you are my church. You are going to be the light of the world. You are going to be the vehicle that I use to be glorified to a world that's dark. To accomplish God's perfect will, us imperfect, weak, struggling people empowered with the Holy Spirit being his temple, being his holy people, being his children. Not only for sin and death to die in our lives, but us to proclaim his majesty, his mercy, his goodness, that we were reconciled to him and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Today, walk away knowing you have the greatest gift. Today, Pentecost Sunday, when God poured out his Holy Spirit on his church, universal, and the members of his church, each one of us that know him, everything we need is in him to satisfy our deepest yearnings because it is who he made us to be and to bring him glory and participate in his work. How awesome. And if you don't know him this day, because of the work that Jesus Christ finished on the cross, coming into his creation, living a sinless life, being nailed to the cross by wicked men, which was the plan of God because of his love for you. You too can have a down payment of the inheritance and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So where you were weak, God would give you strength. Where you were blind, God will open your eyes. Your heart was cold. Give you a heart of flesh. Where your mind was corrupt, would transform it. Where your deeds were dirty, make them holy. So we speak into your heart this day. Don't allow this moment to pass.
you're online, repent. Like Peter said, read again what he said in Acts chapter 1. And if you're in this place, we'd like to pray for you and with you. So if you don't know Jesus, but God has pricked your heart this day, it could be your birthday, just like the church's birthday. We could celebrate it together as you start to walk it out with him. So if that's you, and you want to repent and be filled with the Holy Spirit, raise your hand because we'd like to pray with you. Is there anyone? For those online that this pricked their heart today, call the church, call a Christian. Ask them to pray with you. We're going to pray for you right now. Father, forgive that one. Whether they're sitting here in this place, Lord, or if they're watching online, Lord, and you fell on them this day by the Holy Spirit, and they've repented, and recognize that they were guilty and now are crying out for you to you to make them new, to bring them into your family, that their past would be done with, and today would be their birthday, Lord, being filled with the Spirit the down payment that you give as an inheritance for the one that puts their trust in Jesus Christ. Touch that person this day, O oh God. Surround them with people that will nurture them. Open up the scriptures with them. Pray with them. And for us, Lord, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled people of your church. Let us walk away this day understanding how precious the gift is that you gave. How we can't live without it. And like Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine and you are the branches and you can do nothing outside of me. God, because you filled us with your Holy Spirit, put us on task, Lord, looking inward, connecting ourselves to your body, your bride that you died for, Lord, that you're the head of. Helping us to look upward, being in awe of you, our great King, that you would even use someone like us in your perfect plan of salvation and redeeming your people to yourself, Lord. Looking outward, Lord. Recognizing where we are positioned 
and opening up our mouths, proclaiming the good news, Father, not being hindered by fear, but being emboldened and equipped by your Holy Spirit that will give us the word to say in that hour, Lord. Have your word. Have your way, Lord, each one of our hearts, Lord. We thank you for the finished work of Christ. We thank you for being filled with the Holy Spirit. We ask that you continually fill us, that you continually refresh us, Lord, for us to be strengthened to do the work that you've set before us. Be glorified, Lord, in each one of our hearts, Lord, and in your church this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, saints. Philippians 1 and 6, I am sure of this. He who has started a good work in you will carry it on to completion and to the day of Jesus Christ. Amen.